This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome once again to NSPS Radio Hour. Glad to have all of our audience joining us today. Some of you live today, some of you through the downloads that through the through the radio station's website. But in any case, we appreciate you listening to the show. Today I have with me a gentleman who is going to talk about an issue that is relevant to pretty much anybody who's in any kind of business, but particularly of interest, I think, to our audience who are professional surveyors for the most part, because as I've talked with my guests about surveyors, and I can say this, of course, with some certainty because I have been one all my life, tend to not think about the kind of things we're going to talk about today until we start facing the end of our careers, at which time it's, I won't say it's too late, but we panic. Um, and I get calls all the time from people, how am I going to do this? Uh, who, do, who do you know? Well, now I know a guy. You know, it's always good to say you know a guy in any case. So in this case, and Charlie, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, it's Charlie Peccio. Is that correct? Hello, Charlie, you still with me? Yes, I'm here. It's okay, Peccio. I thought I lost you, thought I lost you no. there for a second. It, it's a Peccio? Yes, it is, Peccio. Okay, okay. Um, I want to make sure we got that correct. Charlie is going to, is Charlie okay, by the way? Or do you like That's Charles? That's fine. Okay. That's fine. Charlie's going to talk with us today about the topic on ownership transition, which is, as I said, a big issue for lots of people, in particular surveyors. Um, so maybe... Charlie, you could talk to our audience a little bit about your background and how you got into to this particular thing, and uh, just tell us who Charlie is. Well, I, I began my career on Wall Street, and then I was at IBM in finance and then in marketing. Uh, back in 1976, I started two companies, and within five years sold them, and I've done many, many more since. Uh, for eight years, I was president of a Swiss venture capital company, uh, I've been an officer and director of many public and private companies in the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, and Switzerland. Uh, my biggest deal uh, was uh, a little surveying company that started out in Sulphur, Louisiana, called Vernon F. Meyer & Associates, which later became 3001. And I became CEO, a director, and vice chairman, and I led the recapitalization and expansion of that company through organic growth and five acquisitions. Uh, prior to its merger into Northrop Grumman in 2008. I've, I've got over 40 years' experience now in executive management, business development, venture capital, consulting, ownership transition, and I've taken two companies public. Uh, eight years ago, I founded Kingston Capital Corp. to help businesses succeed by providing consulting, training, management, strategic planning, capital, and ownership transition. We work with privately held, small to medium-sized companies helping the owners to plan for ownership transition and then to execute those plans. And my personal involvement ranges from providing consulting services to helping to provide capital to serving as a member of the management team or on the board of directors. So I think it's safe to say you know what you're talking about. Uh, yes. So, so far, <laughs> so far uh, that's proven out uh, to be the truth. So. That's great. So uh, 3001... There was a surveying, well, it's more of a geospatial company that started out 
I want to say its first name might have been 2001 or something. I think it was in Louisiana, perhaps, or Alabama. Is that, that's not the same company, is it? Uh, no, this, this is this is Louisiana, and it started as Vernon F. Meyer and Associates, and then later became 3001. Okay, yeah. well, maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe it is. Yeah, so the company, I was thinking about it. Is, I think Louisiana. Company. Yeah, yeah, and it was surveying, and then we we grew it into the geospatial marketplace. Yeah. Uh, so through this whole career, I'm going to assume all the places you've worked, you've not been in Kingston, Georgia, all your life. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, but uh, I've had a house in Kingston, Georgia, uh, for the past 15 years, uh, and uh, and I really like it here. Northwest Georgia is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a very nice place. When you and I were talking when we met uh, at the Virginia meeting a few weeks ago, you, you had a per, some pretty interesting stories about Kingston. I appreciated hearing about that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting, interesting little town. Uh, it, it is actually the, the uh, spot where the uh, March to the Sea was planned uh, by Sherman and the Union Army, uh, and it was launched from a little white building in downtown Kingston, uh, and that white building still stands, and I happen to own it, and I'm restoring it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the 150th commemoration uh, was done by the state of Georgia at that white building, and they stood on the porch just like they did that morning, uh, you know, over 150 years ago, and uh, read the order for the march to begin. So, interesting town. Yeah, I would think so. And perhaps one for all those who fell within that path. Maybe it's a, a place of infamy. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. One of my partners in three thousand one called me the morning I bought the the building and said, "Burn it! Burn it!" <laughs> I can certainly understand that. Uh, there's obviously lots of lots of history that goes along with all that's entailed by by the discussion of of that situation and and of course the building itself and yeah. so was it was it somebody's home or was it a at that time or it was the station master's house oh, and station it, it, it had, house. okay and it had the telegraph and so it became an office for the uh, for the union army uh, you know to do their planning um, well actually Maybe that's a good segue when you said do their planning, because I, that's what we want to talk about today. And maybe a good way to start, and and just so we stay on track, I think I mentioned earlier we do 13-minute segments, and then we go to commercials. And so I, right. hopefully I won't have to interrupt as we're going through, but if so, that's fine. We'll, we can just continue on when the next time comes. But maybe we can just begin the discussion, and maybe we won't even get through it in the next six or seven minutes. But... What, how, what's the, how does one define ownership transition, particularly in the context of surveyors? And maybe it's the same for everybody. Well, I mean, ownership transition is the transfer of equity in a business based on the business and the personal goals of the owners. It's as simple as that. Uh, and it can be a process that can be done in as little as a few months or many, many years. Uh, if you want an optimal transaction, though, you really need to define the goals, identify the best approach, create a plan, and then execute that plan utilizing the, profession, the proper professional assistance. Uh, unfortunately, ownership transition also include, includes the death or disability of the owner, which can be an unexpected event. But the plan starts with ownership's goals. And, and, and the owners have to expect that the goals will 
develop and change over time, but you have to actually start thinking about them well before the transition. You have to consider who do you want to take care of, family members, employees, clients, your favorite charity. Um, what promises or commitments have you made? And we all kind of do that. You know, we'll say, oh, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you uh, to one of our key employees. Uh, well, you know, there will come a time when you have to deliver on those promises. And, and in considering ownership transition, the questions you need to be asking yourself include, you know, what does a successful transition of ownership mean to me personally? Uh, you know, is the continuation of my legacy important? Do I want to retain some ownership in the business after the sale? Do I want to continue to remain involved in some capacity? And if so, for how long? What kind of compensation do I need after the transition? Uh, what perks and benefits do I have now that I want to continue, uh, even if I don't own the company anymore, or uh, you know, how much are they going to cost me if I have to pay for them? And, and when do I want to start ownership transition and end it? And you know, who, who do I really want to sell to? And who do I not want to sell to? Um, you know, all those questions you know, should be part of the plan. So ownership transition, as I said, involves a lot, but I think the key here is that you need to start uh, planning and, and considering all these questions as soon as you can. And I know that sometimes we get so caught up in our day-to-day just trying to create a business or to, to make, keep, make sure the business stays alive that we, we don't, maybe in the back of our minds we're thinking, but I guess the natural tendency isn't, Maybe you find this to be so, I don't know, in dealing with people. We always seem to think we have more time than we really have. Yep. And I guess not only from the perspective of when the time comes, but from the perspective of of the beginning, the planning process. And, and again, we get caught up in what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes it's hard to focus on. So I imagine having the discipline to begin this process and thinking about the process really should start at the very beginning and, and have that in mind. And um, I don't know, maybe you have some thoughts about how people can can focus themselves or if are there certain people they need to be talking to on the outside. And, uh, again, we as surveyors like to tell other people they, they don't need to be surveying their own land because they're not experts. Um, and, of course, they're not licensed. Um, I guess one could do planning without being licensed, but maybe there's aspects of it that where someone who holds a license is important. But I think just recognizing the fact that we need help uh, is sometimes hard for, for surveyors to grasp because we're some, – some of us like to – and I won't necessarily include myself in this, but a lot of surveyors like to think of themselves as the last of the – the uh, the individualists, you know, the, the the sole survivors, so to speak, uh, of of their profession and uh, and for what we do, and sometimes it's hard to reach out for help. And I think you and I've talked a little bit about as we're leading up to the show. I do hear from people all the time that are late in the process. Of course, you know, what do I, how do I value my business? How do I make transition? How do I do this? And who can you point to? And we can talk about further in the show uh, about some assistance you can help provide. But am I wrong in assuming that other business people are like us? No, you're not. Um, in in general, uh, 
83% of business owners have no written ownership transition plan. And based on, on the recent sessions I've done with surveyors, almost none of them had a plan. Uh, and 75% plan to transition ownership in the next 10 years, and 48% plan to do transition in the next five years. Yet they don't have a plan. Um, and, you know, this is going to really cause lots of problems, both for the business and the owners, because uh, people, other people involved in the company are vulnerable. You know, your family, your employees, your clients, especially if the business is heavily dependent on the owner. And when ownership transition occurs, if you don't have a plan, you're going to get a lower valuation for your business than, than you expect, or you're going to have a disaster. Um, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, as, as uh, Lisa Isom said on one of your past broadcasts, uh, sometimes surveyors say, surveyors never retire, but they do die, Okay. Uh, you know, a recent study. We're, Charlie, we're going to need to go. We're going to need to go to break in about eight seconds. So before we get okay. that, we can pick up right on that when we come back because that's that's a really good uh, thought. So let's go to break. We'll be right back. Okay. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we went to the break, uh, Charlie and I were were talking about transition planning and the importance of it. And, Charlie, you gave us some pretty interesting statistics. Uh, 83% don't have a plan. And that, From the surveyor's perspective, that's not too surprising. And, and I say that as a blanket statement, although there are lots of people who, who do um, have plans. But 
it seems at least as we talk to each other around the the conference tables uh when i say conference i mean at a conference somewhere or or just like mm-hmm. the people you were talking to in virginia not long ago uh, that's the kind of thing that comes out is you know here i am i'm whatever 65 years old and um our buddy john pelletiel used the the thing about servers dying at their desk or serving exactly and and it's kind of that way. I mean, you know, it's not like you fall over dead at the desk, but maybe that does happen. But it, it seems that way because um, it it comes on us suddenly. And so, as before, we were going to break. You were beginning to talk about some of that, and um, mm-hmm. you, in particular, mentioned the vulnerability that you know that sometimes the asset is the owner, and and we see that all the time. Right. Um, so, what do you what are you how do you advise surveyors? Well, obviously, you have to have a plan, and you don't want to be one of those uh, 40% of firms that go into liquidation because they don't have a plan, uh, and then you lose the value that you have in your client relationships. I mean, there's even value in your old records, okay? Uh, and, you know, even though a survey firm is not going to command a very high multiple in terms of, uh, you know, valuation, uh, because it is heavily dependent typically upon the owner, there is value, and you you can get that value out and have a plan for getting that value out uh, prior to, uh, you know, your departure, uh, you know, from the firm. Uh, and, and remember, the average age of a surveyor in the United States is 58. Uh, 58. I mean, although I consider that young, uh, you know, I think it, it is getting kind of close to the, the time when you have to get serious about ownership transition. Um, the, the other issue that you have is that the other stakeholders in your business are thinking about it, even if you aren't. They want to know how it's going to affect them. They're concerned about when and how it's going to occur. And so if, if you can plan for it and you can put in place, uh, you know, the proper professionals to help you get it done, uh, then you can do things like, uh, minimize your taxes, uh, and make sure that what you want to have happen actually does happen with your business. Well, I would think, and, and having worked in surveying firms, as I said before, most of my life and, and owning a couple of surveying firms, um, one of the things that I think affects even attrition in a company is that, is some, is that uncertainty. Whether yep. that uncertainty involves, well, am I going to be part of ownership, or what's going to happen when the owner goes, or um, that that certainly weighs on people's minds. And so, um, I guess perhaps is is bringing other people into the discussion, or at least making them aware that there is a plan. Is that part of the strategy? That that's a very important part of the strategy, uh, and to make them part of that plan. Now, you, you may not want to actually uh, give them ownership at this point, but I think you should plan for it. Uh, there are a couple of ways to achieve equity participation. Uh, one that you hear all the time is ESOP, uh, you know, uh, which is you know employee stock ownership plan. Uh, and, and that can be a very, very advantageous plan for an owner to start transferring ownership of the company into that plan for the employees, uh, and it's tax-free to the employees until, you know, they actually get it down the road. They don't actually have ownership. The plan actually has the ownership. 
um, but the uh, owners are still in charge. You're still in charge of your business, uh, and, uh, you know, at some point it will transition. Uh, the other thing that you can do, uh, and I've done a few of these very successfully, is have some kind of synthetic ownership. And by that I mean phantom stock or tracking stock, whereby you reward key employees by giving them bonuses based on appreciation in the value of the company. So it's almost like they have ownership in the company, but they never have to actually buy into the company. They actually get get a, uh, a cut of the appreciation and value of the company from a certain point in time to a certain point in time. And that's a, that's a great way to get people uh, vested into the success of the company. So lots of different ways to do it. I think the key here is that uh, people just don't know all the different ways. And so, you know, if you get somebody involved who does know the different ways and then you find out what the goals are of the owners, you can create a plan that will actually accomplish those goals. Yeah, and I can see where the the synthetic ownership could be um, attractive to some people because there are a lot of people, really great surveyors or if you're in a combined company, engineers, whatever, um, Mm -hmm. who, who do wonderful work but really have no even long-term interest in being, quote, the owner. Right. Uh, it's just difference in, in personalities. So mm-hmm. if if achieving or um, accumulating some kind of actual ownership is the only path, then that may leave some folks without, um, without any way to get rewarded uh, accordingly with, with their contributions. So that... That makes a lot of sense, I think. Is that something that that happens regularly? or is, I mean, of course, I know nothing about how all these things work either, so I'm just curious if that's something yeah. that people use fairly often. More and more now, okay? Uh, I think that the issue is that people just aren't aware that you can do that. Uh, they're not aware of the tax benefits of some of the different approaches that are out there. Uh uh, there, there are lots of things that can be done to minimize taxes. I mean, you think about it, the death tax started in 1864. So at the same time that Sherman was launching the march to the city, okay, the federal government instituted the estate tax. And it changes every year. The amount that's exempt from estate and gift taxes every year changes. Uh, right now it happens to be pretty good. It's $5.45 million dollars. Uh, and then the old just taxed at forty percent, but that that it, it's gone up and down and up and down. So, um, you know that should be looked at and should be planned for. Uh, trusts. There are lots of different ways you can you can shelter assets by putting them into trusts and excluding them from potential taxes. Um, so I think I think these are the kinds of things that people don't want to face. They don't want to look at ownership transition because it's kind of Final in their minds, um, they're they're a little afraid. I think of of thinking about it, but you have to you have to think about really what you want to do toward the end of your career uh, and into retirement, and then what you want to have happen after you're gone. Yeah, that that's certainly something we all have to be thinking about. You mentioned estate taxes and the I don't know if volatility, uh, volatility of those is the correct term, but yeah. you know, they tend to change with different um, uh, philosophies in government or 
or is there some how do, how do yeah. they what makes the fluctuation i guess a- absolutely absolutely obviously uh, dependent upon uh what party is in power uh and uh, who can accomplish what uh, <laughs> uh in the congress uh there it does change it does change uh i mean in in 1999 uh the uh, the exemption was $650,000, and the overage was taxed at 55%. So that's not that long ago. Right. Uh, and I said now it's up to $5.45 million and the overage is taxed at 40%. So we're in much better shape now. Um, but I think, you know, you have to watch that, and, and the plan has to adjust every year based on what's happening. Uh, you know, also gifts. You know, you, there, there are annual gift exclusions. There are ways to get assets uh, out of your estate. Uh, I mean, did you know that you can take your vacation home and set up a trust and get that out of your estate? I mean, there, there are those kinds of things that, you know, that professionals know about that the average business owner really has no idea that that can be done. And I think the, the point here is that, you know, you do really need to get the right folks involved and put a team together that can help you to decide what you should do. Speaking of those professionals, considering how often I hear people say they they haven't really thought about transition or those kind of things, is is there a shortage of planners, or do we just not know where they are, or do we not realize they're these kind of planners because they're doing something else, or you know maybe they're doing some other business as well? Well, you know, I think I think it's important that. When you look at ownership transition, you have professionals that uh, have been there before, that recognize uh, what uh, the differences are between, you know, the ordinary preparation of financial statements and, you know, uh, the average business finances, and then incorporating into that the personal and estate planning and you need someone sometimes who's different from your CPA. Uh, although in some cases a CPA might be able to handle it, uh, you know, sometimes it's a different professional that you need there. Likewise, from a, from a legal standpoint, uh, your corporate attorney may not be the one to be involved in some kind of a transaction, an ownership transition transaction. Uh, and so I say it is important that you get folks that have the experience and, you know, have the credentials, uh, you know, in ownership transition. And I, I guess um, in the last couple of minutes here in this segment, um, when, when somebody's looking for a planner, is there a particular um, certification kind of thing or educational background or, uh, I mean, like people go to school to be an engineer or they go to school to be an architect or a, uh, an accountant or whatever. Um, I, I'm not aware of a school for that people would go to do this, so they're probably doing something else as well. So how does how does somebody figure out if the person they're talking to actually can help them? Is there some certifications or something like that? Well, I, I think I think uh, one of the one of the keys is to look for someone who has experience in mergers and acquisitions, because uh, people that actually say they're in M and A, you know, mergers and acquisitions, uh, and have the experience there, uh, you know, would understand ownership transition better. And so it's looking for people who, in their practice, actually mention ownership transitions, uh, you know, and/or mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, well, just those two words make sense because 
that's that's kind of where you're you know where you're heading or transfers of some kind. So that that's good advice. I, I think that's important for for our folks because you know again being surveyors, we want people to to come to us because we have the background and what it is they're trying to do. And of course, we'd want the same thing. So I don't know if there's more of that we can share. We're going to go to break here in about 20 seconds or so, but. Um, I don't know if there's more of that on credentials we can share coming back or, or not. If so, then we can pick up on that. But uh, certainly that's something that anybody would want to want to know about, and so I'm glad that we were we were able to have that old chat about, about that part of it. So let's go to the second break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Attention surveyors. Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.seanstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Charlie, a little earlier in our conversation, we were talking about timing and lack thereof for a, a lot of us who, who are and have gone through the, the process. And so I guess to some degree, this is something you think about or should be thinking about but is there a, a particular time or a particular set of circumstances that would have occurred where one would say it's time to start planning? Well, as I said earlier, the time to start is now, wherever you are. I mean, you, you really want to start the day you started your firm, okay? Because, you know, uh, it, it is a process, um, and there, there's an awful lot that goes into it. So, so you're already behind. No matter where you are, you're already behind. But, but to properly plan typically will take at least three to five years. Uh, you know, in many cases, uh, my clients have not had that much time, so we've had to tailor a plan that can be done in the time available. But I think that, you know, if you have three to five years uh, before transition, you can put together a pretty good plan uh, that will accomplish your goals. 
there are several things that you can do in that time period. Um, I, I think, obviously, uh, the key is you want to optimize the value of your business. And in, in order to do that, uh, you have to do a, a careful evaluation of your business, and you have to consider, um, you know, exactly what you need to do to increase the value to the point that you want to get it to. I would say I would say that uh, most people don't really know what their business is worth, and I think the first thing you want to do is you want to sit down and you want to say, can can I do some kind of valuation of my business? And, uh, and maybe have someone come in and do uh, an actual appraisal of the business. Uh, so you have some idea of where you are, and then uh, you'll know how far you have to go to get to the point you know, where you can actually do the transition at, at a value that you're happy with. And then, as I say, actually have a plan. Uh, maybe do a, put together a strategic plan that says, here are the things I need to do in the business to get it from here to there. Uh, and then uh, to to uh, work at uh, you know expansion if that's what's required. Uh, should you be uh, hiring more folks? Um, should you be expanding geographically? Should you consider actually uh, merging or acquiring another firm uh, to uh, expand your footprint uh, and hopefully give you a better multiple when it comes to valuation? I think that the, the key to valuation, and I think most people will say this, is, is uh, what they call EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's kind of the key metric. It's not the only metric, but it is, is an important one. Uh, basically, how much cash is the business generating? Um, and uh, when, you, when you look at that, you typically do a look back over the past three to five years, and you do a projection going forward. Some of the important things to do there are uh, to actually make adjustments, which is sometimes called recasting, for non-recurring income and expenses, non-operating income and expenses, and then seller's discretionary expenses. So, like, if you took that trip to Belize to go to a conference and, you, you know, that really wasn't required, okay, but you thought it was a good idea, uh, you can actually add that back into your profit. And there are things like that that you can do. Uh, if you if you hire a business professional uh, like myself to come in and do a valuation of the business or to help you prepare for ownership transition, that can actually also be added back in uh, to the profit to c- consider you know what the value of the company is. Charitable contributions can can be added back in. Excess compensation if you're paying yourself more than the market. All those kinds of things. And then you want to establish that valuation, and then you want to say, okay, where do we need to get to? And then create a strategic plan and a business plan for actually getting there, you know, over the next three to five years. You, you mentioned as part of, of your what you were just saying there the the concept of expanding, and I'm I'm always curious about what kind of thought processes go into that because in in surveying and all the the particularly surveying and engineering where we're dealing with land and the development of land, the ownership of land, all those kind of things, and, and everything that goes with that. Um, firms tend to spread themselves out wherever, some regionally, some relatively locally, some nationally. Uh, and I'm always always intrigued about how people come to those decisions. Um, 
you know, do they look at a particular marketplace? Do they look at a particular market itself? And uh, an example of this may be as people who got involved up in the upper Midwest in the, the fracking part of the business. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were surveyors there from all over the country um, just because of the demand. Um, so do you see that kind of thing as you're looking at businesses as they're uh, tried and true uh, processes that people, I guess there's nothing ever tried and true until it proves itself <laughs> out. But, but I'm just curious if, because sometimes it almost seems as though, hey, there's a hot area, let's go over there and put an office in or, or, or whatever. And I'm just curious if you see that. Well, uh, I always like to say that uh, the biggest challenge in a business is deciding what business you're not in. Uh, you know, and, and that you can't catch every raindrop. Uh, and that's why you actually have to sit down and say, what do we really want to do? What do we not want to do? Uh, where do we want to be? Where do we not want to be? And and the the basis for expansion, especially if you're going to expand by merging or acquiring another firm, uh, you have to first decide, does that other firm and the, and the key people in that firm, do they share the same values and principles that you have? Uh, because if culturally you're not going to be uh, on the same page, uh, that clash will be a di- will create a disaster uh, for any kind of a merger. And so, if there's another firm that is maybe you know in the next county, and you know you're not, you really don't focus on that market because that's where the, that's their market. Uh, but but you you have these counties here, and they have those counties there. Maybe the two of you together would actually be worth more combined than each of you individually, and that's a consideration. So I would say, uh, you know, it's, it is definitely something to consider. Uh, I've, I've done uh, several successful mergers of smaller companies to get them uh, more substance so they can actually command a higher multiple in terms of valuation. Do you do any consulting with firms that are just thinking about expanding? And let's say they're going to go somewhere and just open a new office. Yes. Um, and not, and they don't plan to merge with anybody. Um, and yes. Kind of, uh, obviously, there's a planning process that has to go into that. Yes, and that, that's all part of the plan. Part of the plan is to look at, you know, do you want to geographically expand? How much do you do organically? Uh, and then, you know, is there a merger and acquisition plan as well? Um, so there are multiple ways to get there, uh, and uh, the key the key is actually sitting down, discussing it, and saying what do, what do the owners really want to do and what do they not want to do. Uh, in a lot of cases, they'll say, no, I, I don't want to acquire another firm. I would rather just do it organically. What's it going to cost to open an office? How do we actually look at what's going on there? And then you go in, you do an analysis of the market, you look at the competition, uh, you see whether or not, it makes sense to open an office there. What's the demand, uh, and can you make money? You know, what's what's the what's the what's the uh, going rate for the services in a particular area? Because it does vary based on where you are in the country. Uh, what's the pay? Um, you know, what what are the benefits you have to provide? Uh, if you're doing business in California, it's sure different than doing business in Georgia. Let me tell you. Uh, so, you know, all those things come into play. And that's why I say it's, it's important to sit down with the owners and figure up a plan, uh, you know, and then all get behind the plan that you come up with. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking about the difference in 
California and, and Georgia are, are almost one place to the other. I mean, there are regions in the country where we're somewhat similar, but there's always some kind of changes. And when you were talking about the, the, the cultural similarities, I was thinking not only of the cultural similarities as a regard to the businesses themselves, but the people. Yes. I think sometimes people fail to recognize that that the people are just different when you go someplace else. Yeah, and and speaking of people, uh, one of the things that we talk about in the sessions that I do, um, you know, are the different generations, and how it's important that uh, your business actually understands and relates to each generation uh, within the business. Uh, and, you know, millennials are definitely different from baby boomers. Uh, and, you know, we have, to, we have to take the time to understand each individual and that individual's goal and figure out how to make that individual successful long-term in the organization. Millennials stay in a job an average of 1.8 years. When we hire somebody, we make a big investment in that person. So you want to make sure that you take the time to really understand that person and, and get the motivation behind what they like to do, why they like to do it. Uh, and for most millennials, they want to feel like what they're doing is definitely worthwhile, that it means something, that they're appreciated. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's important that we understand each generation and the motivating factors, uh, and relate to each employee on an individual basis. As a baby boomer who came along pretty early in the baby boom era, mm-hmm. the number you just threw out about 1.8 years being the average amount of time a millennial stays in a job is almost unbelievable. <laughs> because you know, yeah. people in our generation, I assume you and I are fairly close in age, um, yep. And, and you look at our parents. You know, my, our parents went to work somewhere and probably worked there their entire life. Yep. Um, and and of course, there's been some change in in our generation, but 1.8 years is just amazing to even think about. Well, what's what's worse now is that uh, millennials actually make up 36 percent of the national workforce, as a as compared to 34 percent for baby boomers. So they are now the biggest segment of the workforce. That just happened recently. Wow. So, so I mean, we have to understand them. We have to relate to them. We have to motivate them. And and we're about a minute from our, our last break here, but that really goes to, uh, to the heart of, of surveying in particular because we're looking not only for the next generation of people to own businesses, we're looking for people just to become surveyors. Correct. And, and trying to understand what motivates them uh, is a really, really big challenge because, as you pointed out earlier, our average age is in the high 50s. Uh, so you know, may, maybe there needs to be uh, some kind of uh, consulting firm that helps us as professionals try to understand. That, uh, that is part, that, yeah, that is part of what we do. Yeah, uh, and that's it's, just it's, it's, amazing. It's, an, it's a big, big part of the seminars that I do. Yeah. Well, we're about ready to break. We got about ten seconds left, but maybe we can pick up on that when we come back. And, and during the break, we can talk a little bit about what I've left out in our discussion. But th- that's a really okay. interesting part of the of, of the topic. So I, I do want to cover that a little bit more when we get back. So let's take that last break. We'll be back shortly. Attention, surveyors! Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. 
The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Shonsted products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.shonsted.com. Shonsted, the best just got better. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we were going to break, Charlie, we were talking about the percentage of the workforce and what it is for millennials today and what it is for the for the baby boomers and uh, looking, uh, trying to trying to find a way to understand how to relate to all those different people and and as we said during break. You look at those trends and you look at what the percentages are, but in the final analysis, regardless of what the trends are, every person is still a unique individual. And right. so learning learning that fact, I think, is just as important as anything else. Right. And I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at the stats, okay, and you look at what, what surveys show, uh, the important thing is you treat everyone as a person. That that you you listen to them, relate to them on a personal level. Uh, the number one reason that people leave jobs in the U.S. is they say poor management, and to them what that means is that, that their supervisor doesn't relate to them. Um, I think I think you want to help each person find meaning in their work and see how their work makes a difference in people's lives. Give them positive reinforcement. Uh, you know about what they're doing. Uh, I think I think if you if you spend the time to create a personal and professional growth and career plan for each employee uh, that is tailored to that employee, you'll be much more successful. And and I think also if you want to find some millennials that may already share your values and principles, a place to turn to is the military. Because people coming out of the military, uh, you know, and, and I, in, in the um, seminars I do, uh, you know, I have a video on Marines uh, that, that shows the kind of values that they have and, you know, how that fits in 
uh, and that's something to consider. And, you know, you should establish a relationship, um, you know, uh, with uh, returning veterans, okay, uh, and help them uh, to find jobs. So I think, I, think, I think that's very important, regardless of whether you're a baby boomer, a millennial, or, or you know, any other generation, although those are the two big ones now, uh, it's relating to each person on an individual basis. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true, and, and sometimes we get so caught up that we we miss that. And, and the thing you said about the perspective on poor management, uh, really boiling down really to the interpersonal relationships more so than how one may perceive the, quote, business is run. Yep. Uh, management still always relates to the people, and that makes perfect sense in terms of how to, to build um, – people in your firm. I mean, I know our conversation is really about transition, and of course, if you're going to transition, there has to be somebody to transition to. Yep. <laughs> and so oftentimes what I hear, maybe you have some thoughts about this, of what I hear from people isn't, how can I figure out how to transition my business into people I've invested time and money in and they've invested themselves? It's, I'm getting out, how do I sell? So there really isn't a strategy other than how, am I, how do I, you know, how do I value my business to sell it rather than how do I transition it maybe to other people? And, and I don't know if it's making sense, but I hear that yep. often. Yep. So it's positioning the business for sale and optimizing the value, and then the, the kinds of things that you need to look at are, you know, uh, what's your corporate structure? Is it a C corporation, an S corporation, uh, a limited liability company? Um, are your financial statements compiled, reviewed, or audited? Do you have a budget? Uh, do you uh, actually have good financial statements for the past three to five years? Have you figured out what your EBITDA was? Uh, what makes you different? What makes you worth more than someone else in your industry? Uh, and if you have a strategic plan, uh, you know, are you following it? Are you accomplishing your goals? Do you have incentive plans for your employees? Are your employees happy? Do they have a passion for what they do? Um, do you Do you have... Uh, standard contracts that limit your liability, and uh, you know, do you have insurance policies and tails? I know you've talked about tails in the past. That's important because because liability can go on many, 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 many years past the time you actually did the work, uh, and so it's important to to protect folks going forward. Um, yeah, that's so that's really. I was just going to say that's really true, and and for surveyors in particular, and it varies from state to state, as you know, and. Right. Some states have the repose that, you know, mm-hmm. has a different, yep. shorter uh, limitation or a shorter time after the work is done and than other states, like my home state of Virginia, doesn't. You know, it's right. it kind of goes on forever. So <laughs> those yeah. certainly are things to think about. Yep, yep. That's, that's absolutely for sure. Well, we've got, oh, six or seven minutes to go. One mm-hmm. thing I did want to talk to you about is – the fact that we do get a lot of these calls, I hear it from people uh, across the country. I hear it from folks who are trying to put together workshops. And I know you've done a couple of recent ones. Uh, you did one in Maryland, and, of course, I saw you at the one in Virginia. Um, and so I, I, I really want to share your, your information with uh, our membership across the country and, and with the people who plan their conferences and because we're always looking for people who have the, the, the skills that you do 
to be part of our continuing education program. So uh, I hope that's okay with you if I share that information with them because, uh, as I said, oftentimes people just don't know where to look. And I don't know if it's ever too late, but it's getting really late in the game for a lot of folks. Yes, yes. Uh, and you know, I really enjoyed participating in conferences and seminars across the country. Uh, I, you know, I love going and spending time and attending sessions and and uh, having meals with people and you know and I, I I tailor each session to the audience. I make the topics relevant to the group. Uh, I keep it lively. I mean, some of these sessions are all day, eight a.m. to five p.m. And so so I, I I do some videos that are really fun. Um, you know, I think I think it's important that that you know people take the time to do it and more and more. Uh, people are realizing it, and surveyors are signing up for these classes. They want to begin the process. Uh, afterwards, they come up to me and say, I should have done this five years ago. I should have done this three years ago. Uh, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to. And I, t- I tell them in the class, I say, every one of you is going to walk out here saying, I'm going to do this. But most of you won't. Uh, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you don't have the time. And so that's why I think it's important that, you know, uh, whether it, it, it's, uh, you know, my firm or somebody else, that you get somebody involved who's going to actually move the process down the road uh, that's going to help you to, to determine what your goals are because you may not even know what they are. But someone who can come in and ask the questions to help you identify what you want to accomplish and when uh, and then put together a plan and then help you see the process through all the way to the end. And that's the thing. This is not. This is not where you know you come in, you do it, do it, and uh, in a month they're out of there and they're never coming back. You need to establish a long-term relationship with someone who can help you to get to where you want to get to in terms of ownership transition. Yeah, and that and, makes sense. You were you were yeah. saying early in our discussion that this is an ongoing process. It's not. I'm choosing to do this, and we're all set. So it's, it's something you have to continue to look at. Yes. And, and, and uh, you know, if, you're, if you are ultimately going to sell the firm, there, there will be an optimal time. And that may, that may be this year, it may be next year, it may be four years, five years from now. And so what you want to do is you want to do the kinds of things that prepare you for that. You want to have the information available when you do have an interested party. You want to have the valuation available. Uh, you know that that you want uh, prior to the sale. Um, you know whether it's an internal sale where you're selling to employees, you know, or family members, or uh, you're actually selling to somebody on the outside. Maybe you're doing a recapitalization. Maybe you're selling part of the company to somebody and getting a new investor involved in the company. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you're actually uh, you know selling it outright. Uh, if you are, is it a strategic buyer? Uh, you know, who is incorporating it into their overall company, or is it just an investor who's buying it just to make money on it? You know, all those kinds of things come into play, but if you're ready and you're prepared, when the opportunity occurs, you can take advantage of that opportunity. You can take advantage of that potential buyer at that point in time. So when you go in to, to talk with someone or have a conversation, somebody calls you and says, I need to be doing this kind of thing, um, 
am I correct in assuming that you probably end up going to that business at some point and having discussions with people? It's not all obviously over the phone or them just coming to your office to make plans. I, I'm assuming no. you get in and learn learn about them from the inside, so to speak. Yes, uh, and uh, in most cases, um, I actually interview every single employee uh, in the company, uh, and I get a real feel for what's happening in the company. Uh, and the sessions, the sessions are confidential, uh, so that the employee can feel comfortable, and they do. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, they feel comfortable because you know I'm not going to say who said what, but but I'm going to actually report to the owners. Here's what's happening in your company, and 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 here's what you need to do as far as your employees are concerned. And then also we do client surveys, uh, and we find out what the clients think. Uh, and you know, and and let the owners know what's happening as far as the clients are concerned. Uh, important to go back to clients that have that have been lost, find out why, uh, and uh, for clients that actually are doing business with a company, find out why they're doing business with that company, why they love them. Those are the kinds of things that go into creating an ownership transition plan, and the ultimate sale of the company, especially if you're going to sell to an outsider, you want to have a, a, a really good. Uh, document that describes the company and has all this information in it that somebody can look at and say, yes, this is a company I definitely want to buy. And I guess sometimes the, that even gives some of the employees pause perhaps. I, and I, I, I really like the, the idea of going in and talking to them because employees will feel more comfortable talking about whatever their concerns are, whatever their issues are, good or bad, with somebody who's not in their chain of command or even part of the, the hierarchy of the company. So that does make a lot yes. of sense. To be yes, and, and, and it is important to communicate the ownership transition plan to the employees. Let them know what's going on because they know it's going to happen. And it's better, it's better for a known than an unknown. Uh, and, and if you actually cut in your key employees, you cut them into the deal so that they're getting something out of it, they're motivated for it to happen, uh, it makes a big difference. Uh, when we did the 3001 deal with Northrop Grumman, there was a two-year retention bonus for the for the management team, and they had all been cut into equity prior to the deal, four years prior to, to the time we did the deal. So they all did very well um, and stayed on for the two years so they could get their bonus. Yeah. Well, I tell you, we've got 30 seconds left. It's been a really quick hour. <laughs> it always goes fast, but today seemed to go so much faster than normal. But um, I, I do want to thank you for being with me because, as I discussed with you before, this is a really important topic and one that our membership is interested in. So I'm looking forward to being able to, to work with you and have you work with our groups moving forward and appreciate so much you being with me today. Uh, I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, and as we said earlier, don't try this at home. Uh, if somebody needs a survey done, they call a professional surveyor. If you need ownership transition done, get a professional team involved. Sounds great. Thanks, Charlie. I'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.